Thanks for checking in at, at Calmo. I'm your I'm your neighbor Jerry, pastor at Calmo Thank, Church. Thanks for checking in at, at Calmo. I'm and, your uh, neighbor we're, Jerry, uh, pastor at Calmo Church. You have to mute your volume with your your buttons on the side. Just your buttons on the side. So anyway. <laughs> okay, we'll get this in a minute. Yeah, technology is always exciting. Anyway, thanks for checking in Calmo. I'm your neighbor Jerry, pastor at Calmo Church. And I'm super excited about trying something new I, why Sandy and, and I are on vacation. We're in the, the fourth week of uh, a series on the life of the Apostle Paul. And you know, no one other than Jesus had such a huge impact on the Christian faith. And we're basing this series on, uh, on Paul on the book by Adam Hamilton called The Call. And in this live streaming, as you can tell, is, is new for us. And so we're, uh, <clears throat> we're continuing to, to make strides. And, and, and I do hope you like it. Uh, and, I, and I hope and pray that you find it uh, interesting and, and useful in, in your own uh, spiritual life. And if you'd like more information on this message or, or anything else for that matter, you can call or text me at 517-588-8415. Or you can always use the Calmo connection card, which is at calamochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash calamo. Or you can always go to our Facebook page. But if you're looking at this live stream, you already know where our, uh, where our Facebook page is. Well, today we're covering the fourth chapter of, of uh, the book. And this chapter is called to love. And so it's exploring one aspect of God's call on Paul, but it's also focusing on uh, Paul's second missionary journey. But just as Paul was called to love, so we are called to love each in our own ways. And so this today we're just touching on a few of the highlights of this one chapter of Adam Hamilton's book. Um, and again, if you'd like to learn anything more about this chapter, the book, or anything else, just reach out, and we'd love to sh we'd love to to share what we can with you. But Paul's life is not only an interesting story about how God's call changed a person's life, but it is an example for us to to help us in our daily lives. In and it's a way that we can see how God can touch and does touch our lives. And the, the neat thing about Paul is he's a human being, so we can see how somebody just like us struggles with the realities of, of, of daily life and, and has faults and shortcomings and how yet he still is a powerful witness to the love of Jesus Christ. And in that, we can see how God can work through us so that we might be a positive influence for those around us in spite of our shortcomings. Well, in chapter 4, Adam Hamilton continues to explore Paul's life in the second missionary journey. So it starts with Paul in Philippi, and last week we talked about how uh, Paul and his companion Silas were beaten and imprisoned for doing good. Um, and then, it, then from Philippi, uh, Paul travels to Thessalonica, Athens, Corinth, and Ephesus. And I'd like to share three insights um, about this chapter with you. And one is kind of an interesting story about the religious people of Athens. Um, the second one is about sexual immorality. And the third one, and maybe the most important one, I think is about love. So let's start with Athens. 
Um, but again, each one of these topics could be a, a full sermon series in itself. So we're just, we're just kind of touching on the top, right? So on this trip, Paul is meeting and working with a mixture of non-Jewish people, um, and then also Jews that had been displaced from, uh, from Israel over the years. And what, what's interesting is that the Jewish religious leaders are frequently the ones that, that um, fought against Paul or um, were, were violent against Paul, tried to get him arrested, stirred up riots. But the non-Jewish people were curious to hear what he had to say. He, he had some new thoughts and, uh, and they, they wanted to hear about this new religion. They were curious about it. Well, in Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul tells us that the people of Athens were especially religious. Now, in the ancient Greek culture of Paul's time, Zeus was the greatest of the gods. And then they had gods for weather, for war, for love, and I, and I can't think of all the, the, the um, gods that they had. And for each one of these gods had their own little temple or, or idol or altar in, in the city. And so Paul was walking through the city and seeing all these. And then he came up on this altar and it said, to an unknown God. And so they actually were so religious that, that they had an altar in the city to an unknown God just in case they missed one. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I think it's it just it's human nature to want to worship something bigger or, you know, something stronger than ourselves or something that gives us some stability or security or, or fortune or whatever. And so these people had all these gods to, to, to meet that need. Well, Paul used their unknown God to, to be an opening to speak to them about Jesus and Jesus being their unknown God. And then he went on to say that, that Jesus was above all these gods of stone and wood and, and, and whatever, um, because he, ha he had been real, he had been on, on, on the earth and uh, he was crucified and, and rose again. Well, you might think, well, you know, we don't have idols and a bunch of altars around the cities and all that kind of stuff, but you know, I think we do, right? Um, our country is a very rich country, especially when compared to the rest of the world. And so we have things, we have money, we have all kinds of riches. And so in our society, you know, we have these things and, we, and they're very important to us and we, and we spend time with them. And, and so in a way, we're worshiping these things. Now, thinking about things like, our money, how much money do we have in the bank, or how much money do we make, or, or our families, and yes, our families are important. Perhaps our house, is, is our house nice, you know? Um, perhaps our career, uh, or, or some recreational activity. Now, we might not put our gods, our little gods, on an altar or sing hymns to them, but they are on altars in our hearts. But as Christ followers, we're called and trust on the one true God. And we see God, the, the, the big G God, right? Uh, in three persons as God the Father, uh, Jesus the Son, our Lord and Savior, and then the Holy Spirit or the Holy Companion. And we as Christ followers see Jesus the Son as being our personal Lord and Savior. 
that we worship, that we revere and adore above all others. And so Paul's words speak to us, reminding us of the incredible nature of our God, the fact that our God is something real and something that touches us and does give us support. God does care for us, and God did send Jesus, his son, to show us a better way, to give us a model of a good life. And then Paul's story reminds us of our need to turn away from these false and temporary gods that give us maybe maybe uh, a, a temporary um, temporary support, but God, our God, is is um, that God that stays with us forever. He. These other gods are kind of like a mirage, you know. You see them in the distance, and they look good, and you, you keep going, and you keep going, and they, they keep, they, you never quite get to them. Well, Jesus is the one true God that that, that helps us throughout our life in, in all situations. So let's consider these two reflection questions. Um, just take a moment and think about those parts of your life that are the most important to you. And just ask yourself, is it possible that you're worshiping these things just like the ancients worshiped their idols? And by worship we mean adore and revere and, and you're focused on it. And then the second question is, might you be placing more trust in those things than you do in God? Just, just take a moment and ponder those things. Well, one of Paul's stops on this missionary journey was at the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was a very large city, about 250,000 people, which I'm going to guess in that time was huge. You know, today, you know, we have New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, that's, you know, huge. But... Anyway, in that day and time, 250,000 was a lot of people. It was on a major trade route, so there's many travelers going back and forth. There was a lot of pagan or foreign influences uh, on, on the people of Corinth. And so Corinth was widely known as having loose morals. Now, Paul was very concerned about that early church at Corinth and their ability to resist all the evil and immoral practices in the city much like how immoral influences on us today can cause us to struggle and, and go astray. Well, one such immoral practice that Paul talked about uh, to the church at Corinth was sexual immorality. And in one insight that we get from our study is that sexual immorality was as big a problem in ancient Corinth as it is today. They not only had prostitution, but they had temple prostitution. And temple prostitution was a practice of having, I'll say, good women, you know, like uh, wives, moms, you know, good, good people um, prostituting themselves in the temple as a donation to that particular God, you know. And, and, and I, that whole concept is kind of disgusting, you know, right? Um, Today we have prostitution, but we don't have temple prostitution, except there's probably some cults. Um, I've heard of some cults that, that, that may well practice that. 
in today's in our time we do have pornography and and we have child pornography and you know it is so sad and and it's and, and far too common to, to read a news item where uh, someone's being arrested for for child pornography so I guess the point of this is that sexual immorality was a very real struggle in ancient Corinth and that church community just as sexual immorality is a very real problem in our society today now We'd like to think that, that churchgoers, especially our fellow churchgoers, don't have this struggle, right? We're all good people. But we are the people of our society, and we do face those same pressures. Paul had a genuine desire to help the people at Corinth, not just to preach to them, you know, like, don't do this and don't do that. He wanted to help them. And so he came up with this analogy to help them understand the dangers of sexual immorality. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 13, Paul referred to our bodies as a temple of the Lord. Now, as a temple of the Lord, our bodies are sacred, and we are caretakers of this temple to our God, right? And so we need to keep our bodies clean and in good condition. Well, immorality in any form makes God's temple dirty. And so we can use this analogy even today to help and encourage us to keep our bodies clean and in good condition and to eat healthy and to exercise and all these things. So it's not just for our sake, because we might say, hmm, we don't care, but it's to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus, right? And so the other thing about, for instance, sexual immorality is churches struggle with is d discussing sex in church, right? It's uh, something like, shh, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. It's, you know, that's, you know, that's off topic. But if you think about it, one of the roles that church plays in today's society is to promote, encourage, and mentor strong moral values, right? Now, now notice that I said encourage and mentor our role is not to criticize or condemn. Rather, it's to encourage and support and mentor those strong moral values. You know, we don't, we don't have to look very far as we look around events in our country today that, that our country desperately needs a positive influence on on positive moral values, right? Now there's many people in our country, in our community with strong moral values. They're great people, but yet there's also many people who are struggling, whether it's sexual immorality, violence, abuse, suicide. I mean, the, the, the list goes on, right? Um, but our call as Christians, and for that matter as good citizens, is to be a positive influence for our society. And so when we read Paul's letter, especially 1 Corinthians, uh, he can help us to see how we also can be that positive influence in our society and our community. And so consider these couple reflection questions. Um, think about our country or, or our community. Um, what values do you, do you see that are in need of support and encouragement? And then think about Paul's life and his example. What about that can, can help us understand how Christ followers can be 
that positive influence on those values that desperately need that positive influence. Adam Hamilton ends this chapter um, with Paul's observation on the power of love. Now, I'm, I'm, that's my third point, but maybe it should have been my first point because I really think that Paul's uh, statement on the power of love is the most striking lesson that we can learn from this chapter. It, and it's, it's not just that I really think that love is, is the most powerful influence that Jesus has over us and our ability to help those around us. Now, consider Paul's life. And just think about Paul and, and the person Paul. He started out as an obsessed Christ hater and he was driven to persecute all Christ followers. He did it with a passion and he was effective. He put many Christ followers in jail. And then Jesus struck him down on the road to Damascus and then converted. Paul became the most powerful statesman for Christianity, second only to Jesus himself. Now, today we, we'd probably think of Paul as like a Bible thumper or somebody like that, capable of spouting out Bible passages with uh, passion and all that. But everything Paul did, and in everything Paul did, he promoted Jesus as the ultimate Lord and Savior for our lives. But yet he makes this incredibly powerful statement about love. Now, you can find this in 1 Corinthians 13 the first 13 verses. And you'll recognize this passage. You know, we hear it all the time at, at weddings. And it's a great passage for that celebration. But in reality, it's a far deeper uh, passage than that. Because it, it really goes to the core of what it means to be Christian and what and how we are called to live our lives. And so bear with me as I read this. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but I do not have love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have powers, prophetic powers, and I understand everything, and if I have faith, the strongest faith in the world, so that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give everything I have away, and if I hand over my body to the Lord so that I might boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It, it, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but prophecies, they end. Speaking in tongues, that will cease. Knowledge will go away. And he said, he went on, and then, he, and then he said, for now I know only in part, and he says, and now faith, hope, and love abide, but of these three, the greatest of these is love. And so what this, how this speaks to me is that Paul was one of these technical experts, if you will. Man, he, he, he really was was filled with the Spirit and could really talk about God and, and help people understand God. But love is, is what pulls everything together. Love is the core. 
And so think about all the struggles in our society today. Um, think about the divisions and the arguments, um, the hatred, the violence, the abuse, the neglect, all of that. And then think about Paul's words that love is the greatest. Yes, both faith and hope are important. Yes, and yes, Jesus is our Savior. Think about the divisions and arguments in the church. Church is splitting up because people had different opinions. Paul talks about divisions and arguments in the early church. But then go to Paul's words about love. And Paul's words about love are not about condemnation. They're not about judging others or putting them down or I'm right, you're wrong. But it tells us in love to reach out to others, to help, encourage, and support them as best we can in love. And in the name of Jesus, who also is love. And, I, and, I, and I'm not as eloquent as I'd like to be on this, but what I'm trying to say is when we think about what Jesus teaches us, and, and some of us, and I know I'm a little bit this way, you know, we think about do's and don'ts, but Jesus and Paul calls us to go deeper than that and think about love and caring for the other person and helping them and not being judgmental or, uh, or, or condemning. And so the trick is then, the hard part is, to think about how we can be a positive influence to those around us and keeping ourselves centered in love. And so now for our final reflection questions. And think about, I call it Paul's love chapter. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How do you see his words encouraging you to be called in love? And then reflect how you can use Paul's words to transform your life and those around you. I hope that you found this brief summary of this aspect of Paul's early life to be helpful. If you'd like more information, please reach out. Um, you can put a comment in the chat box if you're on Facebook, or you can uh, call or text me 517-588-8415. You can use Calamo connection card at calamochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash Calamo. But let us know what you think, you know. Is it helpful? Is it, eh? You know, got any questions? We'd love to talk with you. I'm your neighbor, Jerry. I am pastor at Calamo Church. Have a great day. Have a great week. And bye for now.